I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast Discover North Korea with me, Zoe, from Zoe Discovers. It feels like it's been a while, and loads has happened, actually. 23 episodes in, and I finally managed to miss a week. Sorry to all of those who um, eagerly came to their various podcast platforms at uh, uh, on Thursday and then realized that I hadn't uploaded a new episode. It was the first time that I hadn't. Um, since I started dedicating one hour a week to podcasting. I mean, one hour a week, that's how much the podcast kind of is, but it actually takes a lot more in the background to do. It's crazy to think that this podcast has been going for a year, for half a year now, sorry. It started in January 2023, and it's already June. I'm sure if you're similar to me, you're probably currently screaming um, a little bit right now at the fact that you've been here listening for half a year to me, Babylon, and oh my gosh, 2024 is closer now than it is further away. There's also been 10,000 downloads of this podcast on Acast alone, which is just mental and crazy to think about. It's only been going for half a year. Already there's been 10,000 downloads, um, and I don't know how many other listeners and stuff on the various platforms. So, a big thank you to everyone that keeps coming back. Um, you are the reason that I keep carrying on this podcast adventure. Anyway, so sorry for missing last week. Um, as you know, I am currently a student. As, as you might know, I'm currently a student living in Taiwan. And exams kind of caught up with me this week um, and the last few weeks. I also went back to the UK and had a quick stopover in India too on my way back to Taiwan, which took up about 
two or three weeks just before all of my exams started. Um, I went back to the UK to attend a very good friend's wedding um, and also luckily got tickets for Eurovision. So for all of my American listeners, you probably have no idea what Eurovision is, but for all of the Europeans and indeed the Australians, you definitely know what I'm talking about. I wonder if there are any fans out there. Um, it is the world's biggest um, music uh, competition, right? If I'm not if I'm not wrong, um, it's basically where European countries get together and show off a singer of their choice, put it into a competition, and it's all very hilarious, political, and very kitsch. Um, it's well worth looking out um, some kind of highlight video on YouTube to see what I'm talking about. But man, that seems like months ago already, and it was only a few weeks ago. On to the North Korean stuff, however. Um, Loads of you have been messaging me on various platforms wondering if North Korea is open. Now there has been a lot of talk. Um, since China opened, I guess, near the start of this year, things have been looking a lot more positive in terms of North Korea opening up again, in terms of maybe potentially travel starting again. Obviously we had to wait until China was open before we could even think about North Korea opening. Generally, North Korea usually takes, you know, a few months after China um, in terms of like previous pandemics and stuff like that. There has been a lot of talk from some unnamed Chinese travel company basically, um, you know, saying that their sources say that North Korea was going to open, I mean, in June. I think they quoted like the 10th of June, which has already passed and surprise, surprise, it hasn't opened yet. Um other travel companies in China offering tours and like 100% guaranteeing that they're going to go through. Um, obviously, we are kind of almost halfway through June or at least mid-June at the moment um, and there has not been any news. This doesn't mean that it's not necessarily a positive thing. This doesn't mean that, you know, um, North Korea is, is very far away from opening, but there are still some things to consider. So firstly, for those of you that um, are speculating or, you know, hoping that North Korea will open pretty much very soon and you can go ahead and buy your um, book, your tours in the next couple of months, I would say hang fire. We've got a few things to consider. Firstly, I want to point out that there are still hundreds, if not thousands, of North Koreans stuck abroad. Um, they've basically been stuck abroad since the start of the pandemic because they were either working or studying abroad when the pandemic started and therefore were not able to return home. Now, I want to emphasize this, that there are North Korean citizens stuck abroad, unable to go back home. Okay, these people, some of them are super desperate to get back home. Um, no one has been allowed to enter North Korea since the pandemic, since it closed in January 2020. So if you're thinking that North Korean tourism might start in the next couple of months, then let's take a reality check, okay? There are still North Korean citizens who are desperate to go back home and haven't been permitted to enter. There have been a handful of people, and by handful I mean like a few, really less than 10 people that you know, we know of, who have entered North Korea in the past three and a half years. And they are, I mean, as far as I know, there's been the new Chinese ambassador who entered a couple of weeks ago, and I suppose his entourage, a couple of other people, 
And that's pretty much it for the people that have entered North Korea. No North Korean has been able to return home as far as we know. So that has to happen first. And then after that happens, who knows, maybe there'll be some kind of, um, you know, surge in COVID there after this happens that will deter them from opening it even further or maybe slow down the process. Maybe they'll have a, just a complete full opening like China did and first let in the North Korean citizens to go back and then just kind of open up to the international community completely. Maybe it will be a small trickle of first North Koreans and then maybe some more diplomats, foreign diplomats, and then maybe some media outlets, um, business workers, things like that, and then maybe tourism after that. Who knows? We can only speculate, but it's not open yet. It's probably not going to be open in June in this month. I don't want to bet any money on it. Um, I would have betted money on it that it wasn't going to open by the 10th and, and I probably shouldn't have should have done because uh, I would have earned a little bit um, a few pennies. Um, but we can only speculate. Let's see just consider these facts that um, you know there is still North Korean stick abroad. And also, I want to mention, um, you guys will know when I know. A lot of people seem to think that I have, like, insider knowledge and stuff like that. I mean, working in the travel industry and working for Choreo Tours, um, you know, we kind of will get information on when it's going to open and we'll be, like, the first people to know. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that I'm going to, like, withhold information from you guys. Obviously, my job is in North Korea tourism. It's to promote North Korea tourism, stuff like that. So, you know, we'll probably get told um, and then, like, as soon as possible, once it's 100% confirmed, we will tell you guys, you know, once it's 100% confirmed, we're going to get it out there as soon as possible and let everyone know. So, you know, just make sure that um, that you're following Choreo Tours and myself on all of our social media platforms, whichever, you know, you use the most. And you will find out as soon as we know, okay? We're not keeping it a big secret. A lot of people seem to think are messaging me, like, thinking I have insider knowledge and stuff. If I did, then... Um, I mean, I would, I would be telling everyone. I'd be shouting it from the rooftops. I'm very excited to go back, as many of you can expect. Um, you can also send an email to Choreo Tours, um, letting them know your interest if you want to be considered for one of the first tours when it opens. Um, you can just email info at choreogroup.com. So that's info at choreogroup.com. Or have a look on the website uh, for any, you know, uh, to be put on the mailing list, stuff like that. Um, and they can put you on a list of people who, you know, are ready to go to North Korea, who really want to go to be put in, like, consideration and stuff like that. Um, otherwise, apart from that, just make sure that you're following us on all of our social media. We will be shouting it very loudly, um, all around, everywhere, once we know that it is official that North Korea tourism can start again. So, in the spirit of traveling to North Korea, this episode is going to be all about my first trip to North Korea. Uh, not so much about my first trip, but rather the place that I first went to. It is going to be about a place called Rason. So today we have a very fascinating topic to explore. We're diving into Rason, North Korea's special economic zone. It holds a unique position within the country, offering a glimpse into the economic and human aspects of North Korea. 
Before we talk specifically about Larson, let's first get started with a more comprehensive overview of what exactly an SEZ, a special economic zone, entails, because to be honest, I had no idea before I first went. So SEZs are designated areas within a country that operate under different economic laws and regulations compared to the rest of the country. Typically, they are established to promote economic growth, attract foreign investment, and encourage international trade. So not something that you really relate to North Korea. This makes it a very interesting place to visit. Uh, SEZs usually offer a range of incentives to attract businesses, both domestic and foreign. Uh, they may include incentives such as tax breaks, relaxed regulations, streamlined bureaucratic processes, and access to improved infrastructure. By providing a more business-friendly environment, they aim to create a favorable climate for economic activity and stimulate job creation. The concept of these SEZs originated in the 20th century. Um, and they gained prominence as a strategy for countries to attract foreign investment and facilitate industrialization. The success of early SEZs, um, such as those in China and in Taiwan as well, led to their widespread adoption in many countries around the world. The primary goals are to promote economic development, as we just mentioned, um, boost export-orientated industries, and attract foreign direct investment, FDI, for those who are into that kind of thing. And also enhance technology transfer and innovation. By creating this controlled environment with specific economic advantages, SEZs aim to overcome barriers and limitations that may exist in the broader national economy. So you can kind of start to see how this relates to North Korea. It's usual for SEZs to focus on specific sectors or industries such as, for example, manufacturing, finance, technology or tourism depending on the country's economic priorities and competitive advantages. These zones can act as catalysts for regional development, leveraging their unique features to attract investment and to create employment opportunities. It is important to note that each SEZ operates under its own set of rules and regulations distinct from the surrounding areas of the country, the surrounding region and stuff like that. That is why they are called special economic zones and that is why they are different to the rest of the area. They have special legal frameworks that provide investors with greater certainty and flexibility in conducting business operations. However, they also require careful management and coordination to kind of balance these economic benefits with social and environmental considerations. So overall, SEZs serve as kind of economic experiments, aiming to try out economic policies that aim to then drive growth, innovation, and international engagement. They are designed to promote economic integration, create employment, and enhance the competitiveness of a country or region on the global stage. Other SEZs you might have heard of before include Shenzhen in China, that's in the south of China and borders Hong Kong. And there are also a bunch in South Korea in actually all of the world, to be honest. Russia, Iran, Indonesia, um, India, Cuba, there's various others in China as well, and also Cambodia, Botswana, various other places around the world.
This one in North Korea was originally called the Rajin Songbong Economic Special Zone and was originally established in 1994 under a UN Economic Development Program. So now we have a better understanding of what a special economic zone entails, a very important background information, let's continue our exploration of Rason, North Korea's only special economic zone, and uncover its unique characteristics and significance within the country's economic landscape. And I just want to mention as well, I told you that this was my first time in North Korea I went to Rason. It's not because I'm really interested in the economics, it's not because I'm really interested in SEZs, like I said, um, I never actually knew what one was, or I'd never heard of one um, before I went to Rason. I was, you know, early 20s at that point and didn't have much interest in politics and economics, so not really surprising. Um, my reason for going to Rasan was basically because when I travel I like to do things a little bit differently. Um, I have spoken about this before. And this is the reason why I wanted to do it as a whole episode, because people always ask me what my first trip was like. To be honest, um, yeah, I wanted to go somewhere that was a little bit different. Um, also, the dates fitted for me. I didn't want to go to Pyongyang uh, for my first time. I just wanted to visit one of the less visited areas in North Korea. I'm glad that I did it. Um, but to be honest, I would recommend visiting Pyongyang first. Um, as someone who's visited multiple times now, I do think that just like anywhere else in the world, Pyongyang is not representative um, of the country as a whole. Um, I find that many capital cities aren't, but it is a good place to start. And to be honest, for Koryo tours, they don't really offer any tour that just visits Pyongyang. Every tour spends at least half a day or a whole day visiting somewhere else, for example, going down to the DMZ, something like that. Um, Koryo tours don't believe in, you know, that quick, like, kind of one day there and that's it. You can't get the full experience out of it. I really don't recommend trying to do that. Um, you need to at least see Pyongyang and then out of the country a little bit. And so that's why I'd recommend this on a first tour, because you get Pyongyang and then you get that outside as well, somewhere different. Um, so whilst Rason is very interesting, it definitely suits a second trip to North Korea instead of a first one. So let's look at a quick kind of history, um, look at the history and also geography of Rason. In its early stages, um, it was kind of chosen as the location for this experimental economic zone due to its strategic geographical position in the northeast part of Korea. It's located basically on the tri-border with um, China, North Korea, and Russia. Um, the goal was to create a gateway for this kind of foreign investment and trade within the region. In winter, it gets very cold, trust me. I had just been traveling Southeast Asia before I came up to go on my first tour to North Korea, and it was a little bit of a shock for me, but it is very northern. Rason originally, um, like right at the start, faced various challenges, as you can imagine trying to set up this kind of thing in North Korea. The concept of a special economic zone was relatively new and North Korea was cautiously testing the waters of its this new kind of economic openness. There were ongoing international sanctions, um, various political tensions, as you can imagine, um, and there was a general limited knowledge of the country's economic potential um, that also posed significant hurdles. Despite these challenges, Rason attracted attention from neighbouring countries, particularly China and Russia. 
they recognized the potential benefits of investing in this SEZ and sought to enhance economic cooperation with North Korea. This led to significant infrastructure development, including the construction of transport networks, industrial parks, and the modernization of Rajin Port, which we will be chatting about shortly. Over time, Rason's development and economic activities expanded. It began to attract foreign companies, primarily from China and Russia, seeking opportunities for trade, manufacturing, and resource extraction. It became a kind of focal point for bilateral economic cooperation between North Korea and its neighboring countries, contributing to the region's economic growth. However, Rahasan's journey has not been without its hurdles and obstacles. The imposition of international sanctions on North Korea in response to its nuclear program and human rights concerns affected this SEZ very much. These sanctions restricted certain trade activities and limited financial transactions and constrained foreign investment potential in Rason, as you can imagine. Despite these challenges, Rason has remained a key economic hub for North Korea. The zone has adapted to changing circumstances, um, explored alternative avenues for economic growth and cooperation, and it seeks to um, continuously seeks to um, you know for investment opportunities, particularly in the sectors such as tourism, agriculture, and manufacturing. But I have to reiterate, it is heavily. Um, limited because of the sanctions imposed by it that are continuously hardened, strengthened, um, not just by the UN, but various country sanctions, stuff like that, meaning that, you know, international trade is, um, is almost impossible now. Nevertheless, it does kind of stand as a testament to North Korea's efforts to engage with the global community and go global economy um, and attract this kind of foreign investment. It represents an ongoing experiment within the country, demonstrating the potential benefits and challenges of integrating into the um, international economic system, but rather, I think mainly, um, it's going to emphasize the difficulties with it, especially because of um, growing tensions globally and the lack of possibility for North Korea to engage in um, in international um you know, economics and stuff like that. In this way, Rason definitely showcases the complex interplay between political dynamics, international relations, and economic aspirations. Its evolution, whether that be, um, you know, continuous growth or decline, it provides a valuable insight into North Korea's economic ambitions um, and abilities, and also its kind of pursuit of sustainable growth. I'm sure you're all aware of of course, though, then 2020 came about, COVID came about, I don't need to remind everybody of that, it shook up the whole world, and obviously shook up North Korea as well, including Rason, and it's definitely put the whole, uh, you know, international cooperation thing on the back burner, um, I suppose as well, at the same time of international sanctions getting harder on North Korea, 
then COVID happened, um, North Korea arguably has never been more isolated than it is today, uh, whether that be self-inflicted or not. So that is a little bit of a background into Rasan. I hope that provides a good background into what we're going to talk about next, and that is uh, what I do best, the tourism aspect of Rasan, um, offering a unique opportunity to explore the culture, daily lives, and natural beauty as well of this special economic zone. Rasan definitely provides a different experience compared to other parts of North Korea. It's relatively less restricted, actually, allowing visitors to interact with locals and gain insights into their daily lives, arguably a little bit easier. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Usually in Rason, despite it being less visited by tourists than most of the country, actually the northeast of North Korea is probably its least visited region. Rason is part of this. Um, not many tourists visit Rason. To give you an example, I think that there is only one tour or maybe two tours a year um, offered by Koryo Tours to visit the place. It's very hard to get to. You can either go in from a place called Yenji, right in the northeast of China, um, or you can actually go in internally, although this is a little bit tricky. But there are quite a few foreigners there, or at least there were quite a few foreigners there. Um, seeing a foreign face was not too bizarre in Rason, um, and in this way the locals are less, how do we put it, they're less nervous about seeing foreigners they're more confident, they, um, you know, probably don't get worried if you try and talk to them or something like that, because they're used to seeing foreigners a lot more. Um, and like the people in Pyongyang, seeing a foreigner is not so odd to them. Although outside of Rason, in the rest of the northeast area, the the opposite is true. Um, the people are more nervous about seeing foreigners, um, they may not, uh, they may be less inclined to speak to you, because they're not so used to seeing foreigners so much. Uh, Rason is very different in that um, aspect. So firstly, how to get there, I did just touch on this a little bit, but there are no airports in Rason. Although, interestingly enough, 1990s maps um, did show plans to build one. There is no airport transport at all, um, so this means that to get to Rason there is only one way and it is by land. Here are your options. You actually have three options from China, from Russia or within North Korea. Um, to get in from China, this is probably the most popular route. You get in by road. There is a single border crossing at Wonjong Bridge. It's only open Monday to Saturday and closed on Sundays and some national holidays. There are customs houses built on either side of the bridge um, and they can be very friendly actually. Um, it is one of the only places in North Korea that you can get the North Korean passport stamp, but this is also not guaranteed there. 
usually you cross this bridge and therefore into North Korea by minibus. Um, you have to pay for this or you can walk across. Now, I think walking across used to be a lot more accepted but in recent years, I don't think that they allow you to walk across so much anymore, or at least they don't like it. There is a fee for the minibus, which they kind of pretty much make you pay. It is, you know, a nominal fee. It's a very small amount, so don't worry about that. It's just a bit frustrating that they're not too keen on letting you walk over anymore, because walking over a border into North Korea is pretty cool. For Russia, the DPRK Russia border, it's very small um, and you cross it only by a rail bridge. These trains run several times a week um, and passengers use this route from Tumangang to Kazan. Um, it's much simpler to cross from the DPRK to Russia um, due to the reliability of the Russian train system rather than vice versa. Um, you can also get this train if you wanted to connect onto the Trans-Siberian Railway, basically going all the way from North Korea to Moscow on one train. If anyone has ever done this train journey before, you'll know that going through Siberia, going through Russia for three days on a train, makes you go a little bit crazy. Honestly, there is only so many tree landscapes that you can endure. Entering from North Korea, from inside North Korea, is quite an experience. Um, this has only been possible since 2012. So Rason is in the um, North Hamgyong province. It's surrounded by North Hamgyong province and they have this interesting and different system in the DPRK whereby the is there is kind of this international, um, sorry, internal border that everything in North Hamgyong province and above is served by a different company, like a different uh, guide travel company than what you will find in Pyongyang. So basically, if you go on a tour first in Pyongyang and then up to Rason, you won't actually have the same guides. Um, so this can all be a little bit complicated, but um, it can be arranged in advance. It's um, more simple than it used to be now. Um, you can enter from... Um, Pyongyang using the train. That has been an option since 2017 and it basically involves taking a local train all the way up from Pyongyang across the country and across the coast into Dasan. This travel time is anything from you know, 30 plus hours. Um, this is for the more adventurous travelers who are not on a quick time, time limit because the train can be delayed, it can be slow, um, it's very unreliable and, um, you know, you have to be prepared that things may not happen on time at all. So now we have got ourselves to Rason, let's have a chat about what there is actually to do in Rason. Firstly, let's talk about Rajin Port. I mentioned it before. Um, this is one of the most notable attractions in Rason. Um, it's an ice-free port, so it remains operational even during the harsh winter months, which honestly are very cold. And to be honest, it's a pretty fascinating sight to behold. Uh, you can witness the kind of bustling maritime activities, observe the cargo ships, and experience the vibrant atmosphere of international trade at least when it's permitted to go on. This is the largest of the ports in the area and it consists of three piers and various container areas. You can see foreign ships, usually from China and Russia, um, come through this kind of ice-free port for shipping and storage and you can even see the foreign crews working at the docks if you are lucky. Next up is the Rason market. Now this is one of the most popular things to do in Rason amongst the tourists because it is the only market that you can visit in North Korea 
as of the time of speaking. Um, there are other markets throughout the country, but they are not permitted to visit um, for foreign tourists. Interestingly, though, for foreign diplomats and foreigners that actually live in North Korea, so they have different permits, um, basically on, on visas that have them living there. So they have a different permit to walk around by themselves and they are permitted to go to the market. I guess they just try and limit foreign eyes that go on there um, and they're also very strict with no photography rules. These markets kind of offer an opportunity to immerse yourself in the daily routines and economic activities of the local population. You can witness the buying and selling of goods, taste kind of local food, street food in North Korea and also engage in, ex in cultural exchanges. There is a row of large buildings full of hundreds of vendors and thousands of local shoppers daily. Um, most of the goods on sale are from China, so you probably want to bring one of your guides with you whilst you're walking around the market to make sure that what you're buying is North Korean goods and not Chinese goods. Um, Photos, like I just said, um, the one in Pyongyang, they're not permitted, and in this market, they are certainly not permitted either. Nevertheless, it's a very unique chance to handle the local currency because you are usually you have to use foreign currency when you're in North Korea. That's either the euro, the dollar, or the Chinese yuan. Um, usually, foreigners are not permitted to to handle the local currency, but in the market, obviously, you absolutely need to do this because they only work in the local currency. It's a very cool area, but let it be known, it's um, also quite run down. You can tell why they might not want pictures there. Number one, I think maybe perhaps um, they don't. They're quite secretive about the goods that are being sold there, maybe some of them are sanctioned. I like literally have no idea. Um, it's not something that I was looking out for, but perhaps that's one of the reasons why they don't want photos. And um, another reason that um, you know I potentially saw is that um, it's not the most proper, prosperous of areas. It is quite poor um, and you do see a lot of that poverty actually. Um, it's been one of the very few places that a beggar has come up um, and asked for money um, from foreigners. Uh, yeah, so it can be a little bit intense. It's not, um, you know, it's not a fancy all frills market. It is a very, very local market and you're going to have very local experiences there. The next spot we are going to chat about is Heian Park. This is a seaside area with a small water park, 3D cinema and other leisure facilities. It's best for a kind of simple walk around on a nice evening. It's also popular with local people and, interestingly enough, contains a Czech beer bar with various beers brewed on site. Although I think the last time that I went here, this was closed. There's a foreign language bookshop, but to be honest, you can find this in Pyongyang as well. They do sell a range of publications in foreign languages, usually in Chinese though, because I guess that's the main customers that they have up here. Um, and there are also various souvenirs and, um, and alcohol as well. Next up is the three countries viewpoint. Now I personally find this a very interesting little viewpoint to go to because I love things like this country borders. They're so man-made and so superficial, artificial. Um, I find this so interesting. I remember, I think I was in Switzerland or yeah, I was visiting, no, 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 I was visiting France. Anyway, it was a tri-country border where you could stand um, on a corner and you would technically be in Germany, France and Switzerland, um, you know, one of these bizarre things. And um, I love stuff like this. So you can do this in North Korea as well. You can't actually stand in all three of them, but you can see from a pavilion atop of a strategic hill 
um, where the Chinese, Russian and Korean borders meet uh, on the Tumen River estuary. Definitely worth um, visiting. Next up, we have the Daehung Trading Company. So this is a massive seafood processing factory on the coast. You can see ships come in and watch them roll away again, see the various seafoods caught, processed and packaged here. Maybe not one for the vegetarians, but very interesting as it's one of the largest industrial sites that you can visit in North Korea. And speaking of the coastlines and the coastal area, we also have FIFA Island. Um, this is an um, island area nationally known for its beauty spots, its forests, the sea, the seals that you can see there as well. Very cool. The seafood and, um, and it's, a, it's a very lovely part of the country away from kind of all the industrial stuff. There are also hotel options. You can stay here as well if you wish to spend the night in the area, although this is really necessary. There is a foreign languages school that you can visit as well. This is Rasan's best school, specializing in Chinese, English, and Russian. Makes sense when you consider the trade that this special economic zone is trying to get involved with. It's a good chance to chat with the local kids and learn about the local education system. One of the absolute more popular things that you can do in North Korea in Rasan that's a little bit bizarre is you can open your own bank account at the Golden Triangle Bank. This is the first place in North Korea where foreigners could obtain local currency which you will need for the market um, and use local bank cards. Um, it's a really fascinating introduction into this different economic system. Um, you can basically yeah set up your own bank account there. You can put in like a nominal fee and get a North Korean bank card and I do still have mine somewhere. Uh, again, I have like an Instagram post with it on, so I'll try and pin that in my stories. If you are listening on Thursday or Friday, you might be able to see it, and if not, you can kind of scroll through my Instagram and try and find it, or if you really want to see, then give me an email and request it, and I will send it your way. In addition to these main sites, there are various revolutionary sites, a small art gallery, a textiles factory, a bag factory, and other factories that are open from time to time. There's a small football stadium, a mountain viewpoint, um, a massage and health center, and much more that can be experienced on a trip to Rasan. But to be honest, although it's a fairly overlooked part of North Korea, I don't believe that it's overlooked because there's so much that you just need to do. I think the main thing in going to Rasan is just to kind of experience more daily life. It's much more chilled. It's much more calmer than a tour to Pyongyang, which really is kind of running from A to B and you hardly get any rest. Rasan is a lot smaller. There's a lot less, you know, to actually do, but there's a lot more to experience, arguably. By exploring Rasan's tourism potential, we can gain a deeper appreciation for the cultural diversity, economic aspirations, and kind of natural wonders of this SEZ. It should be noted that English is not widely spoken here. Um, there can be a language barrier present, uh, just as with most of North Korea, although you might, may find a few more Russian and Chinese speakers up there. If people, if you look like you might be Russian, then don't be surprised if people try and start talking to you in Russian. Um, the local guides in Rasan, however, will obviously help you with all of this. You don't need to worry about that. Um, they, uh, you know, play a kind of crucial role in bridging the communication gap and um, providing insights into local culture and history. It's worth noting as well that while tourism in Rasan offers a glimpse into the local way of life in North Korea, it's essential to approach the experience with sensitivity and respect, just like you would, to be honest, with any tour in North Korea. 
be mindful of these cultural norms, customs, and local regulations uh, to help ensure a positive and mutually beneficial exchange between visitors and the local community. If you are considering a trip to Rason, then you may be wondering where on earth you're going to stay. So there's a bunch of hotels, um, but really only kind of two to three that are actually functional, at least for foreigners. They are very basic, probably more basic than you might find in Pyongyang, but they're absolutely fine. Um, there is also the Imperial Hotel, which is a super interesting hotel owned and operated by Macau's Emperor Group. Uh, this is the best hotel in the area, has a popular casino, hence why it is often full of tourists visiting from China, as well as a great view of FIFA Island, which is what we were saying before. It can be a little bit remote, it's not directly in the city of Rasan, but the facilities there are way better than any of the other hotels that can be a little bit outdated. It's very bizarre to walk in there. I think because of its kind of Hong Kong, Macau, um, you know, vibe in there, it feels very bizarre to have such a modern um, Chinese vibe in the middle of a random, very small town in North Korea. And it is home to one of the most random things that I've ever seen in North Korea, which was obviously the ubiquitous British telephone box that, to be honest, I find everywhere in Taiwan. It doesn't matter whether I'm in a museum, a coffee shop, or, you know, in a train station. For some reason, you just always see telephone, yeah, British telephone boxes. You find them all over the world, and um, finding one in North Korea was one of my most random experiences for sure. I do just want to add for any budding gamblers out there, you do have to be a hotel guest in order to enter the casino. They don't just let anybody walk in, um, or rather, you have to prove that you have enough money to be worth their, um, their time and effort, I suppose. The people of Rason, like many North Koreans, face unique challenges and limitations despite being a special economic zone. Uh, the majority of the population still grapples with economic difficulties, limited access to resources, and it's essential to recognize these complexities and nuances. There are efforts to improve living conditions and promote social development in Rason. Humanitarian organizations and aid initiatives play a vital role in supporting the local communities and their work focuses on providing essential resources, improving healthcare facilities, promoting education and also fostering cultural exchanges. Um, I did speak on the podcast, I think in the last episode, oh no, a few episodes back, I think episode 20, with someone who had lived in North Korea's northeast, um, indeed with their, with their whole family. So do go back and listen to that again. It's a very interesting episode. had lots of interesting feedback on it. Education plays a critical role in shaping the lives of the residents of Rason. There are many schools and educational institutions that aim to provide children with knowledge and skills for their future, just as educational institutions tend to do all over the world. Despite the challenges of the people um, uh, that Rason may have, um, they exhibit resilience, ingenuity, and a desire for progress, as you might expect growing up in a special economic zone. Um, local entrepreneurship and small-scale businesses are emerging, and they contribute to the growth of the local economy. And talking to the guides up there, they are all really interested in promoting Rason tourism. They are all thinking of various new initiatives and stuff like that, and they seem to view um, tourism there as, as very important to the local economy. 
So as we come to the end of this episode, I just wanted to conclude it with some of the top interesting facts uh, that we have spoken about for Rasson. Um, firstly, uh, its geographical location. Rasson is located in the northeastern part of North Korea near the borders with China and Russia, giving it this interesting tri-border area and a very interesting strategic location providing a gateway for trade and economic cooperation with neighboring countries. It is North Korea's special economic zone, so that makes it very interesting um, without anything else, to be honest. It has um, very interesting international connectivity. It's connected um, via the Russia um, Trans-Siberian Railway. It has been successful in attracting foreign investment, particularly from China and Russia. There have been numerous joint ventures and economic cooperation projects that have been established and contribute to the economic development and growth of the region. It is also a resource-rich region. It is abundant in natural resources, including coal, minerals and timber, and these resources present economic opportunities for both domestic and foreign companies engaged in mining and resource extraction. There is also great tourism potential. Rasan has untapped um, kind of areas with its national beauty, cultural heritage and unique experiences. This special economic zone offers opportunities for visitors to explore local markets, engage with a community like you might not get to elsewhere in North Korea and witness vibrant economic activities in the region that you certainly might not get to witness elsewhere. So as we come to the end of our exploration of Rasan, it's kind of essential to reflect on the significance of this special economic zone within North Korea. Rasan represents a very unique window into the country's economic ambitions and engagement with neighboring countries. It provides an opportunity for international collaboration and trade, fostering potential avenues for growth and development. However, it is crucial to approach these topics with sensitivity and a deep understanding of the complex dynamics at play. The geopolitical landscape, international sanctions and North Korea's political system all shape the experiences and realities of Rason, making it such an interesting place to visit. So that was it. That was a very short introduction, um, but I hope I went over kind of all of the main points about Rason and sparked your interest a little bit in somewhere that is very different from Pyongyang, very different from the rest of North Korea and somewhere where you two could consider visiting once tourism is open again. Please consider to join me next time for another episode of Discover North Korea, where I will actually be doing a really fun episode. I'm going to ask ChatGPT, because that seems to be like super popular at the moment, I'm going to ask it the top myths on North Korea, and then I am going to go through them one by one and either bust or confirm them. Um, I've actually already asked it these myths, and some of them are absolutely hilarious. Um, and some of them are true. So uh, that's what we are going to do next week. I've yet to record that episode, so I'm actually really looking forward to doing that. Please do consider to come back next week for an episode with uh, ChatGPT on North Korea. Um, and before you go as well, just make sure to... Um, follow me and Choreo Tours also on all of our social media platforms. You can generally find me anywhere on at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK and Choreo Tours on at Choreo Tours on all of your favorite social media platforms basically. And if you have any questions about today's episode, if you have any guest recommendations, or if you just want to say hi, please feel free to email me on zoediscovers at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining and I'll see you next week.